2: T's and C's apply in South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. We are very lucky this morning to be joined by Colin Munro, fresh off the back of a dominant 114 off 73 rocks for the Perth Scorchers against the Adelaide Strikers uh, over there in the Big Bash. The Strikers, well they were nowhere near good enough after Munro's Blitz. Scorchers setting 196 and bowling the Strikers out for 146 in reply to earn the Scorchers a big bash bonus point, and well, Colin Munro, who's 43 or 43 balls at one stage, and then he spared no one from that point on. He was able to score his last 44 runs off 15 balls in the last four overs, and not even the great rashid Khan was spared, as Munro was able to clear the ropes on on successive occasions. It's now the highest score, highest individual score by a Perth scorcher in the Big Bash competition, which has spanned in excess of 12 years. Munro's record in T20 cricket is absolutely outstanding, not just domestically, but also in international T20 cricket. He was an omission from the Black Caps World T20 side and a controversial one at that. At just 34 years of age, there is plenty of kick in the man yet. And with the World Cup and the conditions that he is dominating right now, in just under a year's time, you would have to be a fool to suggest that he is not ready and willing to be available for selection and could be the deciding X Factor that New Zealand need to be able to go one step further than their previous tilt at the World T20 title where they were finalists and going down to Australia. He's joining us now all the way from over in Australia and it's great to speak to him. A very uh, very uh good morning. Well, good afternoon your time as we're recording this prior, but it's good to chat to you, Manus. Oh, cheers, mate. It's uh,
3: good to be on the show. It's been a while since I've actually caught up with you, so it's uh yeah, really nice.
2: Yeah, it has been a while, actually. Obviously, we uh, we normally share the dressing room over there in the, the Caribbean Premier League with the Trinbago Knight Riders. But this year, unfortunately, I wasn't able to come. But you still managed to go over there and perform in a, uh, in a tournament you've done so well. But we'll get onto to that a little bit later. Mate, talk to us about last night. It must have been incredibly special. Uh, I noticed when you reached your 100, you let out an almighty roar. And um and it must have just been completely uh, you know, it must have been an amazing feeling for you to have been able to achieve what you did last night. Yeah, it was,
3: it was obviously like sort of the tale of two sort of two sides really the way I started. But I think even before that I was a little bit nervous in terms of my preparation coming into the tournament. I hadn't really done a lot because you've been in lockdown in Auckland and even chatting to Tere, I was like, I missed out first game on a good wicket in Perth. Playing at a at a new stadium that I've never played at before, with the with the showgrounds, and talking to Curtis Patterson who's played there a fair bit, said that the wicket can be really good or could more so. I thought I matched up quite well against the uh, um, strikers bowlers, and then but then when I found out they had the two leg spinners in the team, um, I was like, oh nah well at least I got, I'm gonna have to make make hay in the power plate But then Frankie Waddell had different ideas and um, bowled really well with the new ball, and then through the middle I just had to sort of try and soak up but a couple of league buys were sort of always ahead of the game a little bit um, and then yeah after that we got to the pen over Mark actually said to Adam Voges, like I'm trying to kick them over or I'm hitting out the chimney like I'm, I'm you know I'm not far away from getting out, I'm trying because I was nowhere but then like you know you know for as a, as a player as well you one or two shots away and then you just find your groove and, and your and your flow and your swing and then you know, the rest is history and a couple went my way obviously last night so um, good to have a bit of
2: luck too. Yeah it was played at the Sydney Showgrounds which was a neutral venue obviously it was meant to be a home game over there in in, uh, Perth but with the WA's strict COVID protocols the game was taken to net neutral venue and I guess that must be a really difficult thing to be able to have to adapt to because normally in those sorts of tournaments you're used to having games at home where you know the conditions so well so it was, it was the fact that you had to adapt and you had to play a little bit what was in front of you. Um, did you think it helped you in a in a way to be able to get into the innings?
3: Yeah, I think it did actually. Even though I did start real slow and, and the ball did swing around a lot, it just yeah, it made me just, you know, stick to my game plan and try and bat a little bit longer. I feel and we I've spoken to you in the past about it, batting at a batting at the top of the order opening, I sometimes go out too hard and, and that's why I have probably hasn't been as Consistent at, as as opening as I have probably been at number three or four in franchise cricket. So you know when you're coming in into the three, you've just lost a wicket. You can accumulate a little bit, take an over or two to get in, build a partnership and then kick on from there. Whereas when I open, sometimes I go into the frame of mind or that mindset that I need to go early and you know 20 overs is a long time to bat. So you know I often put put my feet up and, and watch 14 or 15 overs of. Of cricket when I could still be out there if I could just take my time and have that sort of mindset at number three, like I do, and as as an opener, and I sort of had that mindset the other night.
2: Yeah, forty three or forty three. It's a little bit un Colin Munro esque. Really, we used to see. Yeah, it it forty three balls. You're on about ninety or a hundred. But it was just the the nature of the wicket, mate, or was it just you know just you're you're in your own game. You're sort of scratching around a little bit just to get underway.
3: Yeah, I think a little bit of um, you know. I might have not been watching the ball as, as closely and at the start of my innings. Uh, like I said, I was sort of under the pump thinking a little bit too much about matchups against their bowlers. Frankie Warrell was bowling really well with the new ball. Wick was a little bit too paced. They brought Rashid Khan who got me out twice last year in the big bash in the power play. Last over the power play here and sort of played it Quite defensively, and then uh, I looked up at the scoreboard and I was going, I think I was about 15 or 27. And then I was like, No, nah, I need to get a move on here. And then Fawad came on a bold. He had a, um, the ball over me and, and the CPL, and I couldn't lay bad on it. So I was a bit under pressure there. And then I was one or two overs, just clicked off Rashid Khan. And then, sort of, you know, the last two or three overs really went my way.
2: Yeah, just talk to us a little bit about that because you, you mentioned both Rashid and Fawad Alam have, have had um, success against you. Previously, so the mindset knowing yeah. that they are likely to come on and try and attack you, uh, do you have to put your ego to aside a little bit, or do you go harder? What What was your mentality that you took into that game?
3: Well, usually it is put put the ego aside and and, and sort of clip them around and, and try and get off strike. And um, you know, if those bowlers are both quality leg spinners, if they go for you know twenty four to twenty eight, you can try and capitalise on the other bowlers, but you know, Frankie was uh, Warrell was bowling well, so I had to take a couple of risks, and I think that just showed me that if you know, if I'm in a positive frame of mind and actually get into a position to hit the ball hard, um, I get myself into a position where I can actually deflect and get off strike if it's a good ball. But then if it's in my zone, I can go through through with, through um, through with the shot and and hit it over the rope. So it was sort of not I wouldn't say a learning curve. for I've done it before, but just reiterating, sometimes that you know you still have to have that positive frame of mind, even when you are playing uh, the best bowlers in the world. It's not you're not really facing the bowler. It's just bringing it back. To, it's just a ball coming down at you, yeah, and you've just got to try and watch it as best you can.
2: Well, you say you've hit a few over the rope before. You you certainly have 65 T20 internationals. You've scored uh, average 31.34. At a strike rate, a whopping strike rate of 156. Those numbers combined are, are quite sensational and put you up there as as one of the very best T20 players that the game's seen. You've got 300s in T20 cricket and you've cleared the ropes 107 times. And if we look now at your domestic T20 record, Munners, you're averaging 30 at a strike rate of 142 with 500s is quite remarkable. 401 times you've cleared, cleared the pickets and put it into the stand and that's over 313 matches. You've just built up a wealth of experience, mate. You've You've you found, uh, like, well, I won't say a niche game because your your first-class record is phenomenal as well, um, but you've found a game which really suits you, been able to adapt to all sorts of conditions. At just 34 years of age, it sort of feels, uh, it, it doesn't quite feel right to just be seeing you playing over there, mate. <laughs> Do you still yeah. talk to us about, about your international situation, your glaring omission from the last World Cup? Have you had any uh, correspondence with New Zealand cricket since then?
3: no nah, i haven't haven't since then to be honest i uh, just got the call to say that I wasn't on the squad and and a couple of reasons why um and yeah just sort of had to live with it and you know I, you know quite easily could have just gone yeah okay well that's now get done for me but you know I've still got that that little bit there to to say that I, I want to come back and play and um if I'm selected for the next World cup or a couple of series beforehand um yeah i'm I'm always up for it but it it also sort of has to try and, you know, I sort of laid, like, made my choice that I want to play franchise cricket and, um, you know, just got to live with the decision sometimes. I think it went against me last year coming and playing the big bash and, um, yeah, I just think that went against me a little bit, but I'm pretty happy with where I'm at um, with my cricket and, and in life in general. So, yeah, if that if that opportunity comes comes again, I'll be very happy and pleased, but, if it does, and like you said, I've I've achieved pretty well in, in the international game and, and still got a lot to prove even in, in, in some franchise cricket around the world now for the next couple of years, hopefully.
2: It's fair to say in cricket, though, you don't have to, you don't choose franchise or international cricket. Though. You can certainly, you can do both side by side. And, and we've seen examples of it. Um, Adam Milne was very successful in the big bash and, and the 100-ball competition, and that was probably his, the catalyst for his selection back into the black cab. So, I guess that is there's something that you can hold on to that, that those opportunities are still there if you're able to dominate in that in that big bash competition over there.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's one of the keys. I think as well one of the reasons why I came over last year as well because let's not forget. I think the Aussie World Cup was supposed to be in October this year, um, and then it was supposed to be in India the following year. So. You know, I thought I had timed it quite well, played quite well last year. And then, unfortunately, they obviously moved to, to World Cups as well. So, yeah, I think, um, obviously, if there's still one eye on that on that World Cup, it's something to strive for and a little bit of um, sort of motivation as well.
2: Good on you. Good on you. There's very few. And my experience is in having the, the pleasure to work with you, mate, and also, um, you know, as a, as a friend, but also as a coach, there's very few players in the world that can do what you can do and that's take games away from oppositions and in a heartbeat and you've you've proven it so to right. so the New Zealand selectors keep an eye out for Munners, okay watch the big bash keep watching what he's doing over there in the very conditions where the world cup's going to be and just make sure that you've got his name penciled on that uh, on that team sheet because if you're going to win it you need players like Colin Munro at the top mate let's um Let's talk about the family. Let's talk about life as, uh, as a cricketer who's maybe slightly detached from the New Zealand game now. All of your, your wife and your kids, Torea, and, and all the kids are great.
3: Yeah, they're good, man. They, they're good. i um, very happy that they've come over for, for the big bash and, and staying with me now until the uh, middle of January where they'll go on to, to Brisbane and spend some time with family before heading home. But, yeah, very fortunate that that person put them up um, with me. Um, it's really cool. Especially with COVID around and there's and a, little, a bit of restrictions, There's a lot of time in your in your hotel rooms. But you know, when you got the kids and, and wife here, it's, it's really nice just to have a sounding board and talk to and, and keep you quite busy rather than just focusing too much on the cricket side of things.
2: Yeah, I bet it must be great as well going back to the same franchise. Obviously, you've been at Perth before, so it must be cool going back to the same place rather than trying to have to prove yourself
3: to them all again. Yeah, that's the thing. I said that last night in the interview too. That... Uh, I think it was, it was really it was better coming back to uh, a you know familiar familiar um, environment I said absolutely it, it feels like you no know, I won't say coming home but people I did well like, it helps that I did well last year and that you come back you don't have to try and prove yourself again I've spoken to even at the start of my CPL career I was like oh it's my first proper franchise tournament I need to score runs and it's like you know putting a bit too much pressure on myself and it doesn't always go to plan and then when you put those external thoughts and stuff aside and you just focus on watching the ball and doing what I do well, then, you know, nine times out of ten, you come out the right side of of, of the ledger. So, yeah, coming back to a familiar environment again, um, yeah, it's a lot easier, I think, than going to a new franchise um, every year or every second year.
2: Ah, oh, beautiful, mate. Well, we're going to let you go in just a sec. You've got a couple of games coming up to Christmas as well, so you've got playing against the Hurricanes uh, back-to-back. I guess you're not really sure if that second one's going to be in Perth yet,
3: eh, or has it already been moved? And then Renegades... Uh, I'm not sure. I think, cross- yeah, we're supposed to play the uh, Hurricanes down in Hobart, I think, on Tuesday. I think it is. We fly down on the day because I think it's a closed game. I think we have to stay in the... Um, after that game, both teams stay in the changing sheds until midnight and then it opens up and they open up their borders and then we're free to go as, as we please. Uh, so, yeah, we're supposed to go on, I think, Monday or tomorrow and then uh, train in the afternoon and then play on the Tuesday. But no, we're flying in the day of the game. And then I think that game in Perth, I'm not too sure. haven't heard anything. I think it's still 50-50, I think. if I'm, I haven't heard anything yet. So, yeah, we just got to be adaptable and, and, and see what happens, really.
2: Oh, good man. Two teams locked in a change room until midnight. I'm sure you guys will be just fine. You'll find a way to pass the time. Anyway, mate, we'll, uh, we'll let yeah. you go. But, um, just keep banging them out over there. As as I've said to you before, keep knocking the door down. And if they're not knocking, then barge the thing down. Give yourself another opportunity, <laughs> mate. Love watching you play. and yeah. we're, we're stoked to be able to see you doing well over there, mate. So, well done.
3: Cheers, mate. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it.
2: Robert Wellwood and Roger James had an absolute field day with their mayors, all performing to the best on a massive day, the Captain Cook with two elicit, the Kalae Susu with Concert Hall and then the Group 3 with Cheaper Than Divorce Waikato Cup, tw- over 2,400 metres. It must have been a f- magnificent feeling. I was lucky enough to catch up with Robert afterwards, actually, and we shared a quiet beer, and he was buzzing, and I'm sure he's still buzzing again this morning. Mm. He joins us this morning. Morning, Rob. Yeah, morning, boys. Uh, yeah,
4: certainly still buzzing because he sure sounds fine uh hearing
2: those replays it's uh yeah, still still doesn't seem real. <laughs> mate, we should have a, I should have had a microphone with me on Saturday night when we're sitting there at Brent and Cherry Taylors having a beer and Jamie and Danielle uh Johnson was there. Obviously she rode uh, a couple of those those successful horses for you as well and, and you were there and the champagne was flowing. It was uh it was quite a surreal feeling wasn't it mate, being surrounded by them.
4: Yeah, no it was super. Um don't get days that special come along very often. Uh, you know, a lot of the time you head to the races with all sorts of expectations and, and go away disappointed. So, um no, it was nice to have a, a day in the sun and, and have everything
2: go right for once. Mate, let's talk, let's talk about Tualissa. I know that uh, Izzy's going to want to get in here and talk uh, talk about some of the other horses as well. But Tualissa, can you actually believe quite where Danielle was able to get uh, her out of the gates?
4: No, exactly. I mean, that was the big worry. We were very confident down Wellington. We um, were drawn a nice barrier. It's a nice big mile there, and we were pretty confident. But they redrew the barriers. We were drawn the widest um, at Tarapa, and I thought, yeah, you know, we're going to be really in trouble, especially on a slow speed. But um, yeah, it was a bit of witchcraft. I'm probably the last one to ever give jockeys credit, but um, yeah, credit where credit's due. <laughs> that was uh, it was a brilliant ride.
5: Hey, mate, Rob. Thanks for joining the show. It's great to have you on again, mate. You're an absolute champ. Congratulations. Very successful weekend. The pockets are full. Mate, tell us about the week. Uh obviously Wellington being caught off at Trentham. What what was the plan leading into the week when it was delayed by a week? Um, you know, how do you attack it as a trainer's point of view? And and you must be so happy with the results. Well, you definitely are. And tell us about cheaper than divorce, because I I, I steered uh, my dad into Starry Bill, but you must be so happy with cheaper uh, than divorce. The gut and determination that horse showed to to get over the line. Yeah,
4: absolutely. Um, the Wellington thing certainly threw uh, a, a spanner into the woodworks. Um, as as we all know, whatever sport you're preparing for a grand mm. final day, it's it's down to the day, down to the minute. You know, you want to have everything spot on. And, so, uh, to, so to then be told that it's going to be a week later of a different course and, and, and drawn different barriers, etc. cetera, um, with a different jockey too. You know, Vinnie was meant to ride down there. So there was a lot thrown up into the air, but um, thankfully she travelled back well. Um, we didn't have to do a lot of work mm. with her. Danielle galloped to Tuesday, um, and sort of everything fell into place, barring, um, barring the barrier. But anyway, that was... A, over and done with, um, and in and the divorce. I mean, she was just super. Um, to be honest, I really thought she would have won the Counties Cup. Um, she ran third. She's probably just still learning a bit. Um, yeah. But, yeah, um, yeah, she worked was Superb Tuesday too. Um, yeah, it's a bit of work you could have ever hoped for from a stayer. So, uh, yeah, went into Saturday pretty confident. Well, it
2: was some, it was some 48 hours, because 24 hours before that as well, you were able to get Violetta and also apostrophe up to Taronga. So over the course of the, the 48 hours, you, you managed five uh, five successes. But what about the fact that you've gone a group one, a group two, and a group three? You've got the full house. Has that ever been done before over a weekend <laughs> on a race card?
4: I, I don't know that it has, and I think Roger was speaking to Michael Guerin and, and he sort of thought that it, it had never been done. Um but yeah, honestly, you probably have to look back into the history books. But uh, yeah, it's uh, obviously pretty rare and pretty special thing to happen for everything to
5: uh, just fall into place like it did. Yeah, mate, you couldn't predict anything better. Well done there. Hey, what, what does the future look like? What what do you got coming up and uh, you know ahead of us that you could probably you know give us a wee lead in? And, and what's the plan for tour listed? And you know you got concert hall as well. We haven't brought up concert hall in a great win. So you yeah, what's the plan plan for the future?
4: Um this coming weekend we'll have Hypnos head down to the Manor Two challenge. He's probably one to follow. He galloped this morning, just with the weather turning tomorrow. We we decided to work him this morning. Um he's in super order. Um tour in concert hall we'll both head box head to boxing days for the Zeville Classic. Um and then uh achievement of the Balls so if, if we run her again, we may put her out, but if we run her again she'll head New Year's Day for the uh for the City Balkan Cup.
2: Nice. Hey, um, hey Rob, you obviously train in partnership with Roger James as well, and you you managed to get Roger to head down to the Awapuni, Awapuni meeting on Saturday. Does this pretty much mean that you know you sit in the pecking order just above Roger these days? Have you have you mentioned that to him this morning?
4: <laughs> yeah, see a few people said uh, I see you sent the to IC down to uh, to, to Palmy, <laughs> so uh, no, it was good. Um, Roger had always sort of um, planned to head down there. We had a couple of nights to heading hitting there. Um, and um uh you know, he's gonna have a couple of days off prior to this busy time over Christmas. So he'd always planned on that. The way fell into place That uh, yeah it was nice nice to um have a day in the sun. But um no, I mean it's just been super. Uh, I've been been working for Roger for um uh, probably six or six years now. Um we've been in partnership for, and I've just joined um as a as a business partner this year. Um, so, yeah, I've been really fortunate to, um, yeah we get along very well. And I think the partnership works well. And, and, and I think the results are showing that. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's been great to just be under the wing of someone with so much experience.
2: Oh, you're a good man. Well, we're going to let you go. But I'm just looking through the uh, the list of the horses that had so much success for you over the weekend. You've got a reliable man, a Tavistock. Uh, Jimmy Choo and a couple of Savabells, so there's a couple of Kiwis doing wonderful things with Kiwi horses and also yeah, for Kiwi owners, Brent and Cherry Taylor from Trelawney Start, and also Joan and, and Peter Egan as well who have been wonderful supporters of the industry so it's a great story and, and we're really pleased for you guys that you're able to have your uh, your weekend in the sun mate and all the best for what uh, what is coming up and thanks heaps for joining us on Bad's Nizzy for yeah. breakfast Congrats, Yeah thank Walt. you
4: I just, what I just want to get Nezi's thoughts around the Formula One. I was up this morning before work to watch it. <laughs> nice. What, what do you reckon, Nizzy?
5: Well done, Max. Did yeah. <laughs> who do you want? Who hey, do you want to win?
4: I just, I just wanted to see a race, and that's what's happened. You know, like I, I would have yeah. thought it was crap if they if they'd finished under um, uh, under safety car. So. I, I think
2: it worked out right, but it, there's a few few different ideas out there. So. Okay. Yeah, good man. Uh, thanks, Rob. All You're good. a champion. Well done. All your success in the weekend, mate. And we'll catch up shortly.
5: Max vs has won the F1, and it wasn't without its controversy. And I've just been doing a wee bit of a chat. So Mercedes filed two protests. The first protest one surrounds Article 4.48.8 of the Sporting regu- Regulations, which says no driver may overtake another car on the track, including the safety car, until he passes the line for the first time after the safety car has returned to the pits. And then the second protest is based on Article Forty Eight Point Twelve, which says that any cars that have been lapped by the leader will be rec- required to pass the cars on the lead lap and the safety car. So basically, I think in the last lap, the safety car was out, and I think Max Verstappen, Louis, if you can correct me on this, Max Verstappen was did he kind of slightly overtake Lewis Hamilton? which he's not able to, and then that's where this protest has all come from. And th- that's what we love this game, the sport. F1 racing, going down to the last race, Max Verstapp- uh, Lewis Hamilton's at one, Max Verstappen's at two, they're equal on a point, and it goes down to the last lap. And that's what Robert Wellwood was talking about, how there was it was there right to the end. But is that kind of like the, the icing on the cake there? Am I right on the money there, bud?
1: Yeah, you sound like you're bang on the money. Bazzard actually, be paid bears watched it he's seen well, he's seen the replay but to my understanding you've you've had it nail on the head you even gave us the article of the rule law we're talking about I've it just seen sharpest. I've just seen live photos here so Max Verstappen's just come out and he's congratulating so the teams were told first before anyone but he's just come out and started shaking hands and sticking his hands at the air and there's <laughs> photos of it and I've just seen our man Chris Medlin in the middle of the biggest <laughs> scrum with cameras and <laughs> photographers around, crowd no wonder he can't take a call he's like in the th- think of it so when we track him down and he has told me all he wants to do is gripe mm. about the English cricketers so he will be coming on the mm. show he really wants to get that off his chest we we'll have to ask him about this experience it's been manic bears. I, I can't quite believe this
2: yeah well he's going to have probably a month to be able to gripe about the English cricketers so there's no hurry to get him on for that but it'd be nice to get him <laughs> on to uh, to be able to digest uh, what's happened in this Formula One Finale, it was very reminiscent of a World Cup final played at Lords not that long ago. To be fair, full mm. of controversy, right? Of the death and those moments which just grab you, the sport, you know, it um, it envelops you in those uh, those controversial periods. But look, I don't know the rules around Formula One. What I saw, it was, I don't know, it was kind of, it was yeah. like
5: Bears. Verstappen was just going past Hamilton. Are they in that, are they valid? Safety round? Are they valid? Huh? Are they being valid mm-hmm. here, or is Mercedes kind of, with them acting the way they have, trying to steal the gloss away from Max Verstappen? You know, like, is it, are they valid protests? Like, it's not not good sportsmanship if you're, you're doing it and you've just been beating fair and square. I think I think there was enough in there
2: from what they were saying. It, it could have gone either way with that five second penalty around overtaking. If that was the case, Lewis Hamilton only lost by two and a half seconds, but. Oh, well, I actually thought Lewis Hamilton spoke really well, mate. He was really gracious in defeat as yep. well, right at the end. And we know that they've had yep. Verstappen and Hamilton have had a little bit of a, a tussle, shall we call it, right throughout the season. But there was some quite good sportsmanship towards the end there from from Hamilton. But honestly, I don't know, mate. But what I love is mm. the most is you you pulling out the the rules. How's about that, eh? 60 minutes yeah, just, Sixty just minutes count. into a Bledisloe game, 20 to go, we're down by 12. Get the ball to Dag, he'll bring us home. How good was that? <laughs> hey, oh, mate, just into a bit of, of
5: detail. <laughs> there's a bit of detail, but I know there's, mate, right, there's, there'll be a lot Actually, of fans well, a- at home. Or, yeah,
1: <laughs> Sorry, it yeah, yeah, just occurred to me. Where's Kane? Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah,
5: we
2: should give him a cooler's.
5: Yeah, we'll give Kano a call because he was at the F1 last time we spoke to him. He's a champion. Mate, but we want to hear from you on the Kennard's Higher phone line, 0800-150-811. Uh, give us a call with your reaction to what's going on in the F1 Abu Dhabi, um, the race right down to the final lap. You know, Hamilton was leading the entire way and then gets beaten in the last lap. So give us a call on the Kennard's higher phone line. We want to hear from you to chat about the F1 because it's one of the great championships ever if we've ever seen one. Hamilton chasing his eighth title, Verstappen finally getting the you know, monkey off his back, and he's he's got one. So um, you can predict it, and that's why everyone was up and about. Robert Well was up and about 2 a.m. start mm-hmm. and, and getting it done.
2: Well, I wonder if they're both off to um, Verstappen and uh, Hamilton are off to that same yacht that I went to over there and listened to Craig David this evening. That'd be interesting. That would have been a good one to go to anyway. Hey, uh, we've got some audio from uh, from the final stages of that Abu Dhabi Formula One. Thank you, Louis.
5: f-bombs been throwing out there how good max verstappen okay taina okay there you go pronunciation king out there in mata mata we get it brother max verstappen okay i said it but well done hey great to hear the reaction there from the team max is just up and about all that's gone in behind the scenes and look we spoke about it 369.5 points each heading into the last race and Max gets here in the end, and this wasn't without its controversy, and I can't wait to get Chris Medlin on because he's over there riding amongst it and just get a bit more of a lead into what's going on behind the scenes, and he's be right there and thereabouts. And we're probably not going to hear, uh, we're going we're gonna to definitely hear more about this going forward because, you know, they'll be throwing war or words over, and you spoke about Lewis Hamilton, absolute champion. He's uh, very graceful, and I I told you, Baz, you got to watch Drive to Survive, because before mm. this, before I watched it, I kind of, you know, I didn't know what Lewis Hamilton was, was like, but just seeing his uh, his interview at the end, he's very gracious. He's like that. And, um, you know, he's there's no surprises. He's chasing his eighth title. So uh, awesome. Mm-hmm. Well done to Max and, and the Red Bull team.
2: And that, I will definitely watch Drive to May I'll take that recommendation definitely. Because even just seeing, like, listening to that audio, eh? Like, it just, like, if we didn't, if that audio never made it out, like you don't get mm. you don't get to see the emotion or hear the emotion um, that that comes with Formula 1. Because I look at Formula 1 people and I think stiff, you know, like they've got to be because they're, they're precision athletes. Their life is on the line every time they jump in a car. So they must have that sort of real kind of hard nose to them. But the the level of emotion that that come out in Max Verstappen there is, is something pretty awesome, eh? And, and if that's what Drive mm. to Survive's like, then I'm all in, mate. Is that what it's sort of like? It kind of goes into a lot of that yeah but that yeah,
5: it's you get you get a real look into the behind the scenes like how much money is thrown into the sport um you get a real understanding of people's personalities and and max Verstappen, i think the sorry. <laughs> Dana, um you know you get a real look and was a young driver when when this was being filmed and now you can kind of see with well, way he's driving, mate, he is driving man he's so aggressive he was like borderline illegal aggressiveness, like some of his overtakes in that race, particularly in Abu Dhabi, were pretty borderline, but no, that's just the way you do it and that's what it takes to win and we win. And we always talk about it with the cricketers in in the top order at the moment. You know, you need that difference. Someone with a positive attitude and and you get a real good look into that on drive to survive. But not only the big the big races, you get a, a look at the, a couple of the small races like um, Lawrence Stroll and, um, you know, Ricardo, Daniel Ricardo. He's an awesome bloke, real cool mm. guy. Uh, he's racing for for McLaren at the moment. And uh, yeah, so we've we got a caller on the line. We've got a caller, have we?
1: I'd rather call it, but as I was just going to say, um, w- while we're talking about Abu Dhabi, I just triggered in my mind Liam Lawson, and you asked about Chris, mm. Chris Med. Can you ask Chris L- Uh, Midland about Liam Lawson last week. He'll be about to get into the young drivers uh, test. So that's at Abu Dhabi, and I can only assume that they keep the cars there, and this is when the young guys get a, a go around. And remember when he was speaking to us about the G force and those, the biggest difference is getting your neck ready, and like it sounds so simple, but the amount of G's going through the body. So he will be watching this. Right there, the, the Formula 2 series is wrapped up. A young Australian dude actually won that. So Liam Lawson didn't win that. Next year's his big year in Formula 2. Imagine being there at Abu Dhabi, seeing all this, and then going, man, I've got a chance to get in one of those cars and potentially put myself in this competition as a Kiwi teenager. This must be one of the most surreal moments in his life.
2: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah you're spot on, actually. Yeah, that, uh, that moment where you get to see uh, your heroes doing it just right before you get the opportunity to go and take it on again. Uh, as you, you mentioned something there that sort of just triggered something in my head as well, that, that Verstappen, the way he drives is very similar to what we're talking about with our cricketers and what we love in it and some of our rugby mm. players. The real expression of mm. type of players, right? And I personally love watching those, those types of athletes perform and, and I can handle the days where it doesn't work for them. Um, I'd much rather watch and, and support someone like that, like a boxer who's going to throw punches rather than mm. just constantly sort of technically dance around and, and try and land uh, the punches that score the, the points. I'd rather someone who's going for the knockout are you the same? like yeah. You love that in rugby players, all athletes, really, and, and it seems Max...
5: Verstappen yeah, because like, right. like, we we can all be safe. We can all be safe, and safe's fine, but you need someone that's not afraid to push the boundaries, push the limits, and that's what Max Verstappen Stappen was able to do, and, and Lewis Hamilton spoke about it. He said that he was doing tactics, and he was doing things that were were kind of, you know, not kind of surprised him, and then he had to try and figure out a way of, of how to counter that because he was kind of getting bullied into doing things that were un- Hamilton and like and 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 that's the way that max did so i'm not surprised that he got the results in the end because he he pushed the the boundaries to the limit and look i'm only watched a limited amount of f1 but from the understanding i got that they they just he just bought something different this year and and that's what is needed when you when you're going on and you want to win something you can't just do the same old results you see what see what the abs at the moment you keep you have to keep evolving keep moving forward and keep bringing a point of difference and that's what he's done and now he's world champion of the world and that's what it's all about and look forward to, to next year when they go to duke it out again
2: fortune favors the brave eh that's what they say let us know what you mm. think double eight double three on the text sign. do you prefer to watch athletes that have a crack or do you prefer the the ones who are a bit more consistent and maybe churn the results out over a period of time do you like the glory moments or do you like the uh those moments where you sit down in your seat and you just feel like you're taken on a ride. You're taken on a magical ride of an athlete at his absolute best and who's prepared to brave brave the and, and take on the, look, mm-hmm. I guess, defeat and failure in the eye and say, I can still overcome this because I'm going to chase that glory moment. Or do you prefer someone who just gets the job done day in, day out, but maybe doesn't grab you, doesn't really bring you into that moment where you feel part of it? Double eight, double three. let us know what you think. And we've got plenty more to come. Sir John Kerwin, a little bit later on, here on Baz and Izzy for breakfast. Big thanks to Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day.
5: Sir John Kuhl and he's been up and about watching his son play a bit of football, but we really appreciate his time on here for Baz and Izzy for breakfast. Recharging after a big weekend, it's time for our Monday morning health check with News New oh, money. I actually got my New Zest, uh, box the other week, uh, Baz, so I'm going to go in and Get some goodness into me. They are powering the next generation of New Zealand athletes and one man who has done some very important work off the field in particular around mental health is Sir JK. Sir John Kerwin, of course, one of our absolute greatest outside backs, and now an excellent, excellent analysis of a game. Sir JK has been immense in promoting the conversation around mental health and is with us this morning. Good morning, JK. How are you, brother? Talking about health, mate, how's that hoof of yours? <laughs> oh, yeah, the hoof, the hoof. Actually, the hoof is a little bit sore. I've still got the two screws in there, and um, I had my Christmas party on Saturday, so that's why the voice is a bit gone, a bit lost. I'm going to go get my <laughs> newsier screens into me after this, brother. But, no, things are good here. How's things down your end, mate? How are you doing?
0: Yeah, I'm pretty good, actually, mate. I mean it's been an interesting year. I get that uh, good mm. green stuff into me every day, part of my... Uh, routine, you know, I'm pretty big on on mental health routines. A lot of the um, physical things I do every morning. I've got a trainer called Sean Hughes who actually started during lockdown. Yeah, you yes, know, um, I used to go and meet up with him and have a workout, but he started beaming in. So I um, I have a workout from eight to eight thirty every morning, and then whack some of that good green stuff in, which means I've got all my veggies in me, mate. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, look, it's been. Um, Everyone, everyone's just really, really tired, as you know. Everyone's mm. sort of had a really big year, especially up here in Auckland. So there's been a lot of um, real tiredness and burnout around just because of the effort to sort of mentally fight COVID and, you know, to keep families mm. apart. And so it's been a really, really interesting year. Last week, I, I sort of, um, you know, I met up with about 1,700 people online and, you know, there is quite a lot of anxiety out there. So it's just really important people yeah. look after themselves, especially over this Christmas break, you know, disconnect from, from um, not from you guys, obviously, because you'd be a staple thing that would be good for your mental health in the morning, but, you know, maybe turn off mm-hmm. the phone to bit and just really disconnect and try and recharge those batteries. It's just delve into
5: it. I know you, you're up in Auckland now and, and a lot of people you know, have been doing it pretty tough. It's been a, a very challenging and, you know, disjointed year with not knowing what's going on, not what's happening. And particularly in Auckland, have you have you seen a lot of people uh, struggling and have they reached out to you? And, and, and have you been able to to pass on some advice? And if you had any advice that you'd be able to pass on from your previous um, challenges that you've got through, what, what would those be, bud?
0: Yeah, look, but I think, um, you know, the, what I'm what I'm hearing back is, you know, people have, have been frustrated, people have been angry, people mm. have been tired, you know, people have um, eaten too much, uh, drunk too much, um, you know, been worried about finances, mm. been worried about, um, you know, been worrying about what's going to happen in the future, being separated from family and that's just me, <laughs> you know? Mm. <laughs> um, yeah. And I, I think what I talk about is, I talk about a triple A battery. As it? You know, I talk about you know when you see those ads on TV with that little battery guy who's running around, he's got all this energy, and all of a sudden mm. ugh, he runs out of energy. That's that's sort of how yeah. people are feeling. But what I talk about with with your AAA is, you know, it's really really important. Um, and this is the same with mental health. It's, you know, it's really really important to be, you know, have awareness around why you're feeling like that. And a lot of it will be COVID, right? It'll be COVID related or you know, whatever that is. So once you're aware, so that's your first day, be aware of what's going on. And then the second thing is acknowledge it, right? And yep. I, I always say this, we're not our emotions, we're actually our values, and your emotions will pass, right? So that's really, really important. And in, the, you know, in particular, in this time, that's really important to do. So be aware, then acknowledge it. And then the third day to get some energy back is action. And, you know, as he we've grown up with, you know, it must be pretty hard with you, with your hoof as well. We've, we've grown up um, with, you know, sort of sport or outlet, you know, so, so we'd go for a run or we'd do something physical. Sometimes you can't, that gets taken away from you. So what I say about the action is make sure you double up on the things that make you feel good. It might be, you know, reading a book or it might be going for a walk or whatever, whatever that is, but... I think the most important thing is the three A's. A lot of us are aware sometimes, but we won't acknowledge it. And sometimes we're aware Mm -hmm. and we acknowledge it, but then we won't action it, right? And I think if we can do those triple A's over the the summer and get some of that energy back in our battery, then we'll be able to face the next year um, as well. Because last year, what happened after we all went through these sort of turbulent times is everyone thought it was going to finish at New Year, oh, well, through the year, you know, it's going to be over and we're going to you know, uh, have to go back to normal. But I think it's just really, really important to, to live for the moment, you know, and really, really replenish those batteries over the summer.
2: Hey, JK, it's Baz here, mate. Thanks heaps for those insights. It's um, it's fascinating to, to listen to, actually, and, and some pretty sage advice. Hey, mate, we were just having a conversation just um, prior, and I'd love to get your thoughts on it around um, athletes and which ones you, you prefer to watch. And I'm trying to just sort of bring it together. Would you rather go for the more of the surgeon type of athlete or would you rather go, you know, the consistent type who get the job done and maybe turn the results out? Would you rather go for the box office type of athlete, you know, the Palais, the Maradonnas, the Viv Richards, the Jonah Lomus? What, what sort of athlete do you, would you prefer to watch?
0: Yeah, boys, I love showtime, though, eh? you know? I, I just think that you know, mate. Now I, as you know, what it's like, mate. You know, especially in your sport, you know, it must must be really hard. You score a hundy, but the team loses. But for me, the guy who scores the hundy. You know, I mean, and same with Izzy. You know, he was he was he was like me. He's an outside back, mate. I mean, loved loved a, a pot of gel. You know, loved a the big <laughs> movement, <moon in> mate. <laughs> so so I've, I've always tended to to do that I mean I've got heaps of respect for the you know the the guy that's grinding it out that wins you the ball Mm. you know you know but I don't really follow them I just love the big show I love (laughs) someone yeah you know in a a game of footy she's all, and he's been playing like a dog but he gets it in the back of the net and becomes the hero. He doesn't deserve it. The guy that's been running up and down the field. You know. The guy that's tackled fifty guys and gets the turnover, but you score the try. No one gives a shit about him, mate. They just love all those other guys with the
5: gel.
2: Yeah, there we go. Yes. Liz. <laughs> Boy, if you know JK,
5: if you know Sir JK he is the fashionist of all fashionists, mate. He wears the <laughs> most unreal kit to every single setup. Doc Martin, original <laughs> shoes from the Sir J K, mate. Hey, thanks so much, J K. We're gonna let you go. We're just gonna shoot off to a wee thanks, J K. Before we go to our next show, but thank you so so much for joining us, brother. We really appreciate you, and uh, you're doing some great things in the mental health area as well. And it's, it's something that we're we're pretty um, passionate about on the show. So thanks very much, brother.
0: Look after yourself, boys. Thank <laughs> you.